and welcome to this urgent, urgent emergency pod from the ESPN's The Far Post. We're talking dillies and it's bloody exciting because we haven't been able to do that in such a long time. So you asked for it. We're giving it to you. It's the Tilly's Emergency Pod. Unfortunately, we're down a member today. No, Angela, but I've got Sam Lewis and Anna Harrington joining me, Marissa Lordanik. So we're going to crack right into Tilly's chat. Tilly's chat. Oh, my God. Okay. How so good? The details. <laughs> How good? You love to see it, et cetera, et cetera. No boot zone. Um, <laughs> but, okay, so details. If for some reason you do not know, the Matildas will be back playing their first matches in over a year. They'll be taking on Germany April 11th at 12.05 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. They'll then be taking on the Netherlands a few days later, April 14th at 2.30 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. So it's huge. They're two massive teams. We could not be getting bigger teams going into Olympic prep. Our first game's back. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be Tony's first game in charge, which is amazing when you think how long ago it was that he was announced and his official tenure started in January. So it's going to be awesome. They're all going to get to go into camp. They're going to get to meet each other. It's going to be absolutely amazing. We've got lots of little other bits and bobs regarding these games. So I'll rifle through them quickly. So this will be, the Germany game will be our first match in 396 days, which is insanity. Germany are the reigning gold medalists. So in terms of Olympic prep, you can't do much better. And the Netherlands World Cup finalists, it's top quality opposition. The exciting thing for Australian fans is the Germany game has a return leg. So Australian fans can expect to see Germany on Australian shores taking on the Tillies soon, which is incredible. And that's in addition to the games against Canada and the US, which were announced last year. So there's going to be some huge games coming up on Australian soil, which is so bloody exciting. Mel Andrietta has been announced as a full-time assistant coach to Tony Gustafsson, so that's amazing for Mel. We know what a great coach she is, how helpful she's been to Tony in this kind of weird transition time, so it's awesome for her. Congrats to Mel. The big one for these games in particular is that there are no Australian-based players involved in these games. So the squad will be made up purely of players already in Europe or players who have signed for European clubs and are on their way there. We know there was lots of confusion about that one, so hopefully that answers some of the questions that we've already got regarding this game. Just to reiterate one more time, no players that are based in Australia can be named in these squads because I think that was the most like common theme <laughs> of question that came up. So essentially you're either already in Europe or you're doing an amazing race-style dash to get to this plane from, I assume, Sydney to Germany, um, a la Claire Polkinghorne and Emily Gilnick, um, to make sure you're based in Europe. Like, it's just with everything, with quarantine, with, I guess, general player safety, avoiding additional travel, and also the W League's about to finish. So if you're playing NPL football, NPLW football, sorry, in Australia, like, that's just not going to be at the same level as, I guess, some of those players over there. So... If they're based in Australia, after this W League season, they are not going to be playing against the Netherlands or Germany. So we would be anticipating some more club moves, even maybe as this pod's happening, guys. Maybe even as we speak right now, there'll be some Tillies signing for European clubs. So just reiterating that one more time. They're either in Europe or they're going to get on the plane or they're not coming, which is a 
massive potential blow for Sam's 23-player bolter list out of the W League. <laughs> but, yeah, just to, I think, round that out, it's not like players from Australia, once their season has finished, they can jump on the plane. They need to be heading over there because they've got a club lined up. They need to be properly moving over there. So it's not a case of I'm just going to head over now that my W League season's done. So... I reckon that answers at least a third of the questions we got. But that's what's happening. It's a lot of information, but it's very exciting. So we put the call out for questions and we got lots. So we're going to rifle through them. So we'll kick it off with some really easy ones. We got one from at Laguna Beach. She asked, odds on the game actually happening? It's happening. We'll be having none of that. Uh, friend of the pod, Mackie, wants us to talk about the Matildas against Germany. I think you're in for a real surprise, Ben. There's going to be some chat about that. Uh, and Lewis asks, if we're going to be doing a watch party, I don't think we will be, but I'm pretty sure Matilda's active will be. So we'll link to them somehow, some way, because I think they'll be doing it and it should be a, a great time to watch it with a bunch of other Tilly fans. So let's start with, I suppose, one of the major area of concerns, our defence. We had lots of questions from heaps of people basically asking, what are our centre-back options? What are our goalkeeper options? Because there's a fair few injuries to our uh, Tillies abroad, the goalkeepers abroad. So what are our defence options? I actually found this one quite funny because when I did a classic, it was like when people do a notes apology, but I was just putting together potential squad options in my notes on my phone. Centre-back is usually like our go-to problem area chat. But as far as options go, like that's actually looking relatively good compared to some of the other areas. Like Laura Brock is already playing in France. For me, she's a lock. Oh, Brock, a lock. Good for me. Um, She's playing in France. So she's doing really well. She's a lock. Claire Polkinghorn has just, as we said, signed to go and play in Sweden. We know Alana Kennedy has been playing in defensive midfield, but clearly she is our best centre-back. And apparently Ivy Luke's been been doing that in in Spain as well, playing at centre-back. Um, I'm not sure what the status is with Carly Rosbacken's injury at the moment. So for me, if she is fit, she can play pretty much anywhere across that back four. Um, the biggest one is Steph Catley won't be available. Like, you'd have to think that hamstring injury... She's not going to be right to play in three weeks. She's still on the comeback trail. Uh, Ellie Carpenter is fit, so there's our right-back option sorted. An interesting thing is that, um, and I may be preempting a question from our very own Angela here, is Hayley Razo has been playing at right-back and also a little bit of right-wing-back for Everton recently. Um, obviously, Carpenter is our best right-back, but could we see Razo played on the left to cut in or could we see Ellie shifted at some point, like... I guess it's kind of fortuitous timing. Like normally we wouldn't want to see Hayley Razo playing in defence, but it might actually be very useful um, this time around. I might let Sam try and tackle the goalkeepers thing because as we know, Mackenzie Arnold injured, won't be playing (laughs) over there at the moment. It's Lydia Williams and then who knows? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Profit. Then profit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a, I think goalkeeper is probably the area of most concern. Um, we know that Lydia Williams is is fit. She's been playing some minutes with Arsenal, which is good. 
But Mackenzie Arnold, as was announced in a pod episode a couple of weeks ago, uh, has an injury to her knee. So she's not going to be available for this upcoming camp. Um, and so because of that, the position of number two goalkeeper is effectively wide open. Uh, I think the, the general feeling amongst us is that Tegan Micah is likely to announce a, a signing somewhere over in Europe in the next couple of days um, after Melbourne City's uh, season finished last night. But again, Micah has been out of, of the W League for a couple of weeks as well. So I'm not sure where she's at with her injury. So because of that, you know, who have we got knocking around the world who is a, an out-and-out goalkeeper? Um, this was a question that I posed to both Mel Andrietta and to Tony Gustafsson in two different press conferences yesterday. And they both seem to suggest that we, the, the, the Matildas staff are actually going to have to look beyond Europe to find another goalkeeper. And there is word that there is a goalkeeper in the college system that is apparently on, uh, on the radar and could possibly be invited across for this camp. Um, and Tony sort of reiterated that uh, the circumstances are largely dictating what this squad is going to look like. So because we can't call upon any Australian players, they are forced to look basically everywhere else. And Mel was really complimentary of the fact that Football Australia's scouting network has really improved over the last sort of 12 to 18 months. So they have many, many more eyes uh, on all the kinds of players around the world who are doing good things. And this could be, you know, in a very similar way to how the, the W League this season has provided opportunities for all these players that may not have got a run elsewhere or at other times these, these sort of four circumstances of the pandemic and border closures might actually be a really good thing for some of these players you know we might see some uncapped uh debutants get a run for the Matildas and you know do really well and that could be the start of their international career so yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how they how they negotiate that um my my theory is that Tegan Micah will probably be a part of the fold mm. um but whether they bring in a third goalkeeper to, to to sort of round out the 23 player squad um that third goalkeeper slot is a big question mark well sam that's literally how we got tegan micah in the fold like she was playing yeah. over at ucla we had games in the u.s they needed another keeper and she was clearly promising and as we've said before on this pod like she plays played so much football for ucla um at a high level why not do it again? And I mean, if there's an opportunity to bring another goalkeeper into the fold, it's good to have obviously the three goalkeepers there. It's a great experience for the player, even if they're not up to it just yet or not ready just yet. I imagine Tegan Mike have got so much out of spending like time working alongside Lids and Macca um, that she's then taken into her club football. So it's one of those ones where you kind of got to look at it as a, um, as an opportunity. Um, I, I just, I think it might just just got a little feeling, guys, that Lydia Williams might be in goal for both those games. Just a vibe. <laughs> Could also just put Eve in as the, the resident tall girl, you know, just make her stand like a starfish and no one's going to get past those long limbs. Um, or if, or if, Jenna, if, if Jenna McCormick uh, ends up being called into camp, that was apparently legitimately what they were going to do at Melbourne City uh, if Melissa Barbieri went down. A couple of a couple of games ago, Jenna McCormick was actually going to stand in as the as the other goalkeeper. So as resident uh, like, city gal, 
Yeah, resident footy gal, exactly. exactly. So and I, I am all about outfielders having to chuck on the gloves. So I almost want this to happen. Just it is a wonderful niche thing. We love to see it. And also it ties into my ongoing theory of how tall are the Tillies, actually. <laughs> we'll go into this that's in depth a, another day. but that, That's another bonus pod. That's a, an off-season bonus <laughs> there. But um, Jenna McCormick, taking marks in the six-yard box, you love to see it. Um, but I suppose you guys touched on a couple of things that we'll expand on. In terms of Aussies we do know that are overseas, who's straight up not in contention because of injury? We've spoken about Macca, but who else is just straight up not, not having any of this? Yeah, so in terms of players who are definitely unavailable, we know Mackenzie Arnold won't be playing. We know Steph Catley won't be. Elise Kellen Knight is still on the comeback trail from that ACL. Um, she's making great strides, but clearly not ready to play yet. Um, the other question marks would be, I said before, Carly Rossback and hasn't played football for quite a while. Um, and we haven't seen a heap of Kaya Simon. There's not been much news coming out of PSV, but the fact that she's, she's just not really been any squads for a while, given her quality, would suggest that there is some sort of fitness concern going on there. Um, so I think they're, and they're all, you know, pretty important players as far as squad goes. So clearly there's a few gaps um, to fill there. But um, I guess it's one of those things where it's a bit of crisis can create opportunity. Um, gaps in the squad means somebody's got to step up and fill them. And there's a few players kicking around Europe who might actually get their first look at the Matildas fold, which is is pretty exciting. Um, Sam, I'll chuck a couple of names at you and see what you reckon. Um, the one I we know that Mary Fowler has been in the fold before. She's obviously scoring goals at Montpellier. India Page Riley is playing in Denmark at Fortuna Huron and is obviously there's a bit of a, a battle between Australia and New Zealand to secure her allegiance. So this could be a really good opportunity. And the two that I like as proper genuine bolters are Dylan Holmes, who's just made the move, of course, to Sweden and former Melbourne Victory slash Melbourne City starlet, Beatty Goad, who's just been playing every week in Germany. Um, Sam, they're the four that stand out to me. What do you think? Yeah, agreed. If we had to choose four of the, the list of players who are in and around Europe at the moment, um, who are not sort of locked in senior Matildas, then they would definitely be my four. Um, I think the India Page Riley question, shout out to a friend of the pod, Philip, um, is I think it's a, a genuine consideration for people in Football Australia because they know that she is probably thinking about this. And very similar to Mary Fowler. Now, Mary Fowler still can technically declare for another nation because she hasn't been given minutes in a, a like a proper A international yet, like a competitive one. So I think those are probably being considered when it comes to the kinds of players that they're going to bring into this camp. Um, but even in saying that, like Indy Page, it's not like she hasn't been great and it's not like she hasn't been playing really good match minutes. Like she plays for the best club in Denmark. She's been playing she has experience in Champions League. Like she's, you know, she's really coming along. So I think that would be a really clever move by them. I love the idea of Beatty Goad. I adored her when she was in the W League. And I think she did very, very well when she was at college as well. So the fact that she's decided to kick on and play in Germany, um, which is an emerging league in its own right, I think is really exciting. 
Um, and I mean, Dylan Holmes, like we've talked about Dylan Holmes before. She's in such great form. The fact that she has earned this move to Sweden when she has um, is, is sort of testament to, to how far she's come. And yeah, you know, she has all the leadership qualities. She has the personality. She has all the stuff that you think uh, this Matilda's squad could really vibe with. So I'm really, really excited about that. But uh, another, another player who perhaps we forget about um, is Aoife Colville uh, in Scotland. She plays for Glasgow City and she, similar to India Page Riley, has experience in the Champions League. Uh, she is part of a very successful setup. She's surrounded by Scottish national team players and she's coming along in leaps and bounds as well. So that's really exciting. Um, calling back to the centre-back discussion as well, we know that Alex Hun is playing for Napoli in, in Italy at the moment. She's playing really regular minutes. Uh, so if that's sort of part of the consideration as well, then, you know, she is available. Um, but outside of that, um, yeah, I mean, that's... I think that would probably be it um, because they, there are still a couple of players in Australia who have not yet announced probably where they're going to be going, including, you would assume, to make Yallop. Uh, we mentioned Tegan Micah already, perhaps Jenna McCormick, and maybe even Kara Cooney-Cross, even though she has technically signed a contract in the MPLW. So I'd be surprised if those players uh, don't announce a move overseas sometime soon. Great thing with Dylan Holmes, Sam, is she's already got a start at her new club in Sweden and like it was so quick for her to get into the fold that they posted their <clears throat> starting 11 graphic the other day and Dylan Holmes and like three other players didn't even have like the little headshots it was just like the blank you know like you, when you sign up for Facebook or something um, we'll share that one but yeah it just shows how quickly she's adapted how quickly she's settled in and how highly they must rate her. Betty Goat is a super interesting one for mine because she didn't necessarily have the best college career at Stanford. I know they won a lot, but she was coming off the bench a fair bit and was always in and around the squad. And I think she was actually considering effectively hanging up the boots because she's super smart and <laughs> was looking at her career beyond football. And then I read she actually sort of changed her mind. The offer in Germany came up um, with a team that had just been promoted, I believe. And she basically played every week. And I think she's been playing in midfield, like as the maybe even as the six, whereas we always saw her as like a winger because she was so young and um, small and relatively would have been relatively easy to push off the ball if she was playing midfield back then. So I'd love to see how far she's come because as much as she's been playing, like there's not a heap of vision of her in recent years, um, which is, yeah, I guess something that's really interesting about all these players that, that go off um, to college. But the other point I like that you made there, Sam, is players like Kyra Cooney-Cross, who, yeah, signed in the NPLW. But I think this could be, like, just through, I guess, these unfortunate circumstances, the push that some of these players need. You can't be comfortable and sit in the NPLW and go off the back of your W League form to be in this Matilda squad, like... If you want to be in these games, if you want to be in this mix, you have to take the leap. You have to step up. You have to push yourself out of your comfort zone, which is a really, really hard thing to do, especially in these very uncertain times. But, you know, like since when has there ever been anything certain about professional women's football, you know? <laughs> like most of the, the top players in the Matildas wouldn't get where they are without taking some sort of risk at some point in their career. 
Um, so I'm really keen to see, like for a Tamika Yallop, um, who's obviously got a family, there's some considerations there, but she knows what it takes to move overseas and excel in an overseas league. But if you are, um, I guess Jenna McCormick or Alex Chidiak, who've had a, a move maybe not go so well, or like Jenna's move clearly didn't go well at all. Alex Chidiak started well and then sort of had all these dramas with injury and that. It's going to take a, a bit of, yeah, I'd say bravery to make that call and go, this is what I want. I've got to go out there and get it. And I'm going to be really interested to see which players are willing to back themselves and make the call and at relatively short notice, I'd say, commit at least this year to, to playing overseas. Um, and as I said, it could be just the push that some players need. Kyra Cooney-Cross was a, um, a backup player, like a reserve player for the 2019 World Cup. If she wants to crack into this team, she's got to be playing against the best. She's got to be putting her name up in lights. Um, you've got to be doing what an India Page Riley's doing and testing yourself every week. So if this sort of situation where you can't be based in Australia and get picked forces a few players' hands, maybe even prematurely and gets them to take that next step, could be, a, I guess, a massive bonus or, a, I guess, a blessing in disguise for some of these players. So we've discussed who's injured, who's actually over in Europe. Obviously, once the squad is announced, everything will become a lot clearer. But we've had the question asked, what is the preferred 11? So I'm going to let you guys talk it out, discuss what is the preferred 11 in your opinions. Okay. So before we even get started, just have to outline the fact that Steph Catley's not available, which sucks. That that hurts any sort of attempt to get a really, really functional lineup because left back is not a strength. If we had Carly Rossbacken, I think she'd slot in there. But <clears throat> in the meantime, we're we're gonna have to improvise. So I'll I'll run through sort of a rough, rough eleven. Um so obviously Lydia Williams in goal. Um if we can. We want to keep Ellie Carpenter at right back. So Carpenter at right back. I would have Alana Kennedy and Laura Brock as my two centre-backs. Um, and then probably lean towards Amy Harrison at left back. Um, the other option here is to have Carpenter play on the left and maybe bring in a Hayley Razzo at right back. That's something we'll go over in a sec. Um, midfield, with what we've got available, Ivy Lewick as a defensive midfielder. Um, combined with, I think, Emily Van Egmond and Chloe Legazzo as the players we've got available. And then, although Legazzo hasn't been playing, has she? Um, sorry, I thought out loud there. Um, I think this forward, forward three is an easy one if you're playing a 4-3-3. Um, Sam Kerr, Caitlin Ford, Hayley Razzo, and then you've got Emily Gilnick as the um, plug-and-play off the bench. So rough starting eleven based on what we can see. Lydia Williams, goalkeeper. Uh, back four, Carpenter on the right, Harrison on the left, Alana Kennedy and Laura Brock in the centre. Midfield, um, Ivy Lewick at the base. And then you've got Chloe Legazzo, Emily Van Egmond pushing up a bit further up the pitch. And then up top, Sam Kerr, Caitlin Ford, Hayley Razzo. Sam? Yeah, I think I'd agree with, with most of that. Again, like you sort of flagged there, Harrow, I would put a question mark over Chloe Legazzo. Mm. She hasn't been playing much since she signed for Kansas City from Bristol. She hasn't been playing um, at all. 
she was yeah she hasn't been playing at all exactly so I think because of that I would be more inclined to look towards the list of players who we think might be in contention so if Tamika Yallop goes over sometime in the next two weeks I would probably be uh picking her ahead of Legazzo in that midfield oh definitely alternatively alternatively I I may even go for a Dylan Holmes because Dylan Holmes playing for Adelaide um, in that sort of eight slash 10 role, I thought was really impressive. And that's the sort of the hard running athletic kind of player that uh, Chloe Legazzo and Tamika Yallop are. She makes those forward runs. She's able to score goals. She's able to set up, uh, up other people as well. So I would think that Holmes is, is probably the, the, the snuggest fit in terms of that sort of a midfield role. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of, in terms of the back four, yeah, Amy Harrison, I think is probably the best shout there as well, because she played left back for Sydney FC for an entire season, um, a couple of years ago. And I thought she did very well. So she does have experience there. And if it's just like, like we said before, this is just a matter of like, you, you can just pick who is available and, mm -hmm you know it it might be a disaster but it might also be a great thing and who's to say that someone like a beady goad uh or an indie page riley can't come in and do a similar sort of job in those spaces if they're required to the other thing is like does tony look at deploying a back three because we've got three yeah. really strong center backs in there in alana kennedy laura brock and um claire polkinghorn i know it's not a system that the Matildas have really played in recent years, but a lot of these players have experienced with it at club level. And then you can play Ellie Carpenter as a right wing back, play Hayley Razzo as the, I guess, a left wing back and have Sam Kerr and obviously Caitlin Ford working off each other, which they've done in so many other structures. Um, like I think when we looked at that initial 11, it was who's available um, and just picked a 4-3-3 because it's an easy one to work with. But based on player availability, it might not be. The other query I had is if it is, say, a flat back forward, do you look at either switching Ellie Carpenter to the left and putting a Hayley Razzo, who's been playing for Everton, at right back, at right back, and then Amy Harrison goes into that midfield mix? Because let's be honest, that's where she's excelled. That's where she's playing in the Netherlands. That's where she's doing really well. Um, if Obviously, if Tamika Yallop's fit, I'd have her slotting straight into that midfield if she's moved over there. Um, but you could then maybe look at a Lewick, Harrison, Van Egmont midfield because the query is uh, Dylan Holmes has done really well, but I don't know if the trust is there yet. Well, there would you wouldn't have the trust just yet because she's never played for the Matildas. So if you're playing the best teams in the world, which you are in Germany and the Netherlands, you probably want a midfield where they, they back each other in, which I think is an easy solution if Tamiki Allop makes a move over to Europe because you just slaughter in as you said Sam um, the the other thing about having Razzo as an option at right back or or as a wing back is you just slot Emily Gilnick into that forward mix we're quite lucky in that sense I think that you have effectively a plug and play player that you can you can work in so yeah it, it is interesting the more I think about it, the more I go maybe the better option is to have, say, a back three and we can use – we've got players that can run and gun and cut inside and whip balls in and all that, and we don't have as many midfield options. So do you look at something like that where you can, I guess, try and play to our strengths a little bit 
and maybe ease a little bit of the, the workload on some of those players. What do you reckon, Sam? Well, maybe another question worth asking is the kind of system that Tony is comfortable playing as well. Um, especially considering we're coming up against the Netherlands, which is a team that he has quite a bit of experience uh, playing against, if anyone can remember 2019 Women's World Cup. Um, So because of that, you know, maybe he is going to look at the system that him and Jill Ellis deployed against the Netherlands, which is, I'm pretty sure it was a a flat back four with uh, Crystal, Dunn and... Kelly O'Hara maybe on either side. Yeah, Kelly O'Hara had... got knocked out and Ellie Krieger came in. That's right. And then we had Becky Sauerbrunn and Abby Dorkemper in at centre-back. And, and with Juliet Ertz sort of dropping in from defensive midfield. So perhaps that would be the Ivy Luke role if she has experience at centre-back, as you said, Hara in Spain. So maybe that's the sort of the, the way in which we can approach the, the system there. Um, also, yeah, Alana like Kennedy. I'm, Alana Kennedy, Sam, like what happens, sorry to interrupt, but what happens? She's been playing as a defensive midfielder in England. Is this where they go, we give it a crack? Like I I think just reading, sorry, I'm pretty sure you can actually speak to this, Sam, because Tony didn't really want to experiment too much, did he, in these games? No, he didn't. He he fully recognises that because there is such a short amount of time in which he has to work, he doesn't want to change much. He doesn't want to put players in positions that they're uncomfortable or unfamiliar with. He wants to make sure that he maintains a lot of the chemistry and a lot of the, the sort of the smaller dynamics across the field that all these players have become used to in recent years. Um, so I think because of that, we can probably say that these fringe players that we've sort of been calling as bolters won't won't be involved in any sort of starting 11 capacity perhaps unless they really really impress and really click with the players um in in the sort of the the training sessions leading up to the two friendlies um but yeah I mean I think that that's probably the smart move from him it's and it's a smart it's like it's the best thing for the players as well because they just want to be back with each other you know they just want to to be back and to rekindle that chemistry that they know they have because that's ultimately the thing that is going to be the most important for them when they get to Tokyo they need to make sure that they all still understand each other on the field and so being able to use the time that he has with them um really efficiently to rekindle that those little pockets of chemistry I think is the smartest move It'll be interesting to see where he does deploy Alana Kennedy because um, Alana Kennedy, as we've said, a great centre-back. And I know it's popped up in our pods before, her playing as a six at Tottenham when clearly she's always pretty much always played as a centre-back for the Matildas and is our, our best centre-back. But is this where they just bite the bullet and try it? Like, does she play further up the pitch? Because you know that um, Polks and Laura Brock have played a lot of football together in the past. They've both been playing well. Brock's been playing every week in France. Like, is this the time where you go, oh, well, we'll try this? Or do you go for a bit more tried and true Kennedy in a centre-back partnership with a a bit of a back four and maybe play Ivy Lewick as the six? Like, it's, I guess it's hard to know. And that complicating factor that Marissa mentioned is Ivy Lewick's been playing centre-back in Spain. So it's, uh, I don't know, it's it's a difficult one. Um, Jeez. Question to ask though, because it's, yeah, no, it's it's a good question to ask because like the number six role is something that I think we've been concerned about for a while. You know, we have KK who's out injured. She's not getting any younger. Neither is Ivy Lewick. She's in her early 30s. 
So we do actually need to use, I think, this World Cup cycle to figure out who is going to be the next sort of dedicated number six. And if Kennedy can do it, if she's comfortable and confident doing it, then why not? You know, she was on the Zoom last night with Tony Gustafsson as well. And uh, one of the questions I asked her was, does she feel more confident coming up against a team like the Netherlands, like Germany, because she has been playing alongside and against players from that side in the WSL? Um, and she was like, yeah, definitely. Like we, this is the whole reason for our move, basically, because we wanted to, you know, play with and against the best. And we wanted to have the best possible preparation for international duty. So because she has become acclimatised to that number six role at Tottenham and she better understands the kinds of players and the calibre and the quality and the speed and the decision-making of the opposition that the Matildas are going to be playing against as well, she sort of maybe seems like even the best possible option for that number six role outside of Ivy Lewick. Well, we know she can combine with Emily Van Egmond. They've they've played together a fair bit. Um, I guess then is it... Is it an Amy Harrison in midfield or is it Lewick and Kennedy working together, which would be a more defensive pairing, I think. Um, it also probably wouldn't be the quickest midfield, that trio, if you had Lewick, Kennedy and Van Egmond, especially with some of the pace that you see from the Netherlands in particular. Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to be the one making these decisions. I think a lot of it will become apparent when they actually get into camp, who's playing well, who's in form, who's confident, Um I think that'll go a long way towards making probably making some of these decisions for Tony and Mel. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, it's it's a difficult one. I think for mine, the the lack of a, a true left back or even a Carly Rossback and who can slot into left back quite comfortably, um, or even you know we knew KK was another plug and play when we had to like that um, that makes things quite difficult. Um, so it's gonna. I think the big question will be like, do you? just want to play as many players as possible in their preferred positions. So an Ellie Carpenter at right back, two centre backs, and then you, you fill the gap at left back because the alternative is you have to move Ellie Carpenter out of her preferred position and then also fill right back. So for me, it makes more sense to just plug a gap on the left and try and use Ellie's greatest strengths on the right. But I am not, a coach and I'm glad I'm not paid to be a coach because they're the ones that got to make these decisions uh not me but it seems like we're pretty unanimous at least on that forward setup like if it was a straight three Ford Kerr Razzo and you know like we know what Caitlin Ford and Sam Kerr in particular can do when they combine so have we just got to score more goals than them we had a question a little while ago actually about the the strikers and how the likes of Kerr and Ford are being used in, I suppose, different ways at their clubs and how that would then translate to the Matildas setup. So can we see, I suppose, some differentiation to what we're used to seeing in a Matildas setup thanks to the, the way that these players are being used at club level? We saw it a bit under Ante Milicic. We saw when um, he chose to play Kerr and Ford very close together rather than one as like a wide player and one centrally. He played them sort of off each other. And we remember that amazing goal that Ford scored against the USA in that sort of shootout game ahead of that World Cup. They know how to play off each other. They can play quite well when they play close together. Um, Caitlin Ford's been playing alongside Viviana Miedema, um, so knows how to play off a striker. Sam Kerr's obviously been involved in a... Chelsea lineup where she's had to play off quite a few different forwards. So I wouldn't be surprised to see 
a little bit of a change up. And as we said, if, if a change of formation is the best way to do it, then that might work. Sam, how would you prefer to see it? Like we know that Kerr and Ford can play off each other, uh, but I think more often we've seen, say, a Razzo or a Gilnick used on one side and a Ford on the other and Kerr up top and maybe a bit of rotation throughout. Like where do you see, I guess, our strengths lie in that sense? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the chemistry that Caitlin Ford and Sam Kerr have built over almost like 10 years in the Matildas is has come to like serious fruition over the last sort of 18, 24 months. Um, and the great thing about watching the two of them in the WSL is that they have just continued to improve their versatility and they know how to do these kinds of things. Like Caitlin Ford, when she was just playing W League, seemed a little bit one track. She was the kind of wide player who would cut in, um, you know, run at an opponent with the ball at her feet, do a little bit of a, a shift and then have a shot. But now that she's been playing with, with, with players like Miedemar, she has become, I think, a lot smarter in the way that she moves off the ball. Um, and she um, is much more confident on the ball as well. And, you know, we've seen the way that Sam Kerr combines with people like Frank Kirby, with people like Beth England. So the two of them are almost becoming interchangeable. And I think that that's probably a really good thing because it means they're going to be unpredictable. Um, and we saw at the Women's World Cup uh, against Brazil, the two of them eventually had to make an agreement after they weren't really able to um, to be effective was that Sam Kerr came out wide and Caitlin Ford went through the middle and that's how we scored the opening goal in the miracle of Montpellier, you know? So I think that they've just sort of, they've built upon that, um, those sort of base skills and, and those base instincts. So I would really like to see them, um, yeah, play perhaps a little bit closer together to really emphasise that chemistry um, and their ability to sort of warp in and around each other because that is really confusing for defenders. Um, and I think we also perhaps should consider that both Emily Yulnick and Hayley Rasso are more dangerous, I think, in wide positions. Um, so if we want to, if we are wanting to have a, a front three, you would have to, I guess, try and think about how to best deploy either of those two very, very quick, very athletic, um, wide uh, sort of weapons in order to maximise the two little busy uh, central forwards in, in, in Ford and Kerr. One thing that did excite me, and we spoke about it last week, is Emily Gilnick um, playing a bit more centrally. Um, I know she's not been playing at the same level as Sam Kerr and Caitlin Ford in the sense that they're in the WSL, but I spoke to her and Claire Polkinghorn after they announced their signing um, um, to go and play in Sweden, and I asked Gilnick about playing more centrally and how she'd found it. And she said that basically it's something she hated doing early in her career. Cause I imagine the tall, quick gal up front central probably didn't have the weapons then. Um, and then obviously found her niche as that tall, powerful winger, um, but has played a bit more centrally, which I think is important. Like she's clearly not going to be a replacement for Sam Kerr or Caitlin Ford, like clearly does not, is not at the same level as those two players, but I think it's really good if all our players can get a few more strings to their bow. And if she can actually shift centrally and be confident on the ball there and not always be looking to, you know, cut down the byline and whip in crosses, which is quite predictable, then I think that's an exciting thing to have. And as we were mentioning earlier, Hayley Razzo, once again, she's done it before, but playing a little bit in defence at Everton just, again, shows how, I guess, how versatile she can be and provides an, 
another bit of an option there. Um, so yeah, but, but let's be honest, this, this forward, this, this attack is going to be the Sam Kerr and Caitlin Ford show, whichever way it's lined up, whether it's the two of them up top, whether it's, you know, a front three, whether you've got players cutting in, going down the wing, whatever, it's always going to be all about Sam Kerr and Caitlin Ford because they are our two biggest assets in attack. And hopefully it's Emily Van Egmont in an advanced position feeding the two of them as well, because we know that when those three players can combine, fireworks can happen and they're good ones <laughs> for us. I think we'll wrap it up with one last question from member of the pod, Angela, who is busy today, which is why she's not here, but she wants to know what our game plan is heading into these games. What is our sleep schedule looking out, looking like? What are our diets looking like? How are we preparing? Cause it's only 16 days away and we need to be ready for this, this important task for us as fans. So I remember when uh, in the sort of 24 hours leading up to the announcement for when we won the bid, I had planned out my whole day. I was like, right, I'm going to get up to, you know, 9pm. I'm going to have a a sleep. I'm going to get up at midnight because the announcement was at like one o'clock in the morning or something. Um, And I'm going to be bright and fresh and then I'm going to work and then I'm going to have another little nap before I have to get up in the morning to go to the press conference. Anyway, none of that happened. So, <laughs> so I, I think that that's probably going to be uh, exactly the situation here. I'm going to plan to have a, a nice big sleep in the lead up to the midnight kickoff on uh, Sunday, the 11th of April for the Germany friendly. But I absolutely know that that is not going to happen. I'm going to be way too excited. So I imagine I'm going to have a probably quite big 24 to 48 hours. Um, So any recommendations for uh, ways to keep me awake and not insane, please at the far post uh, on Twitter and uh, on Instagram, please give me recommendations because I would desperately, desperately need them. I've got a very on-brand um, schedule. Uh, as you guys know, I work for AAP, which means I cover whatever sport. Um, I cover a lot of footy. So I will be working at the AFL that night, the AFL, the men's game between Collingwood and GWS. I will then roll into my house and watch the Tillies. Like, <laughs> I think it's going to be pretty straightforward. Just finish up at the footy, get home watch the tillies um there'll be coffee involved there'll be snacks i doubt there'll be a nap sam so i would also welcome any suggestions for ways to not stay awake just ways to keep my sanity i think that's going to be the big one um and as for the second game will we sleep again sam who knows we might just roll all the way through um yeah that's a 2.30 in the morning, which is a time not even worth thinking about, to be honest. I think we'll, that one might involve a nap. Midnight kickoff, oh, we got that covered easy. Yeah, midnight kickoff, we're used to that because we watch the FAWSL. Like our, our sleep schedules are already ruined because we watch Sam Kerr and Caitlin Ford doing their thing. Uh, yeah, the 2.30am two, the game against the Netherlands uh, on Wednesday the 14th is going to be a... It's going to be a different proposition altogether, I think. That's going to require lots of coffee, lots of sugar. But that's great because that means there's going to be absolute chaos on the timeline and everyone listening to this is probably going to love it. So if everyone could join in on the massive sugar and caffeine high and we can all just be insane together, that'll post a really, it'll send a really good message to FIFA that they've made a good decision in bringing the Women's World Cup here. Exactly. That's what we want. We want people to just be 
losing their minds over this. Like we'll be losing our minds through lack of sleep. Um, I reckon that 2.30 a.m. is definitely one that calls for a nap and multiple alarms. Um, but yeah, the snacks, Angela, they won't be healthy. You know this. The coffee, it will be frequent. Um, well, in an ideal world, we'll have all of the far post gals together, but maybe we'll just get the Melbourne ones together and zoom in, Sam. Just, what, just, just have me iPad. have my face yes have my face on a little ipad and just stick me to a broom that'll be me i think i'll get like <laughs> so a copy of the not too far from the from the actual physical reality of me being six foot but anyway i was thinking of getting like the picture you have sam uh, on your wall and just photoshopping your head into that and putting you like here just here is sam but i'd be up here because you're taller on the broom. I love it. I love it. <laughs> We're losing our minds. Oh, we haven't even had the lack of sleep yet, guys. So it's promising. Get excited. I think that the whole kind of three, four day span is just going to be no thoughts, just vibes, just pure Tilly's vibes, riding the vibe train the, the whole way kind of thing. Um, yeah, just wanted to touch on quickly because I did a little Google. So the last game our opponents played was against each other. Would you believe the Netherlands won two one over Germany? So, just something a little bit fun to to wrap up the pod here. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this absolute nuff fest of Tilly's content. Remember, you can find us at ESPN.com.au on the ESPN app wherever you get your podcasts. We've got you know our usual pod you can listen to right now, episode twenty eight. We'll have another one coming out next week discussing the last round of the W League. So there's lots of women's football content from us for you to enjoy. If you like it, please leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. And as Sam mentioned, we need all the tips we can for how to stay up. Or if you just want to chat to us about other things, we're at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, go Tillies and Sayers. <laughs>